Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you are blessed by today's sermon. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your, your word. Father, I thank you that you came to give life to, to each of us, that you gave sight to the blind. Father, we thank you, and it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Please be seated. There was so much as we got the scripture this week and saw the list. It's like, all of this is really good. Great for a sermon. Skip always says it's, it's, it's good material. And so, but this week chose to talk about the gospel of John. And chapter 9, and the man born blind. Now I want you to think about this. A man born blind. Just think about what that phrase says. He's never seen light He's never seen another person's face. He really has no idea what he even looks like. Probably can feel around, but has no real vision. He's never seen his face, his parents' face. He's never seen the sun, the moon, the stars. He's never seen lightning, a storm rolling in like we can see out here in West Texas. None of it. Blade of grass doesn't know the colors of the sky. He doesn't know what any of it looks like. He's never perceived that. He's lived in utter darkness. Close your eyes for a minute and think about what it's like. The things that come to your mind quickly. The visions of a vista or a mountain or something beautiful. Or the smile of a face of someone that you love. Your children's face. The things that we've experienced. He's never had those experiences. You can open your eyes now. Because otherwise I think you're asleep. And then, So... Think about what his life has been like. He has lived with his parents his entire life. There there was not technology to be able to help him get through the world. He's sat on the side of a road begging because that's what he did. That's how he survived. That's how he lived his life, completely reliant on others. There was some despair, probably, and hopelessness. But the part about this that's so amazing is that this is not a story of hopelessness or darkness. This is a story of great hope and of great life and a story that we can see over and over as Jesus encounters the world. The theme of light is all through the Gospel of John. In fact, in the first few verses of the book of John, it says in John 1, 4, and 5, in him, Jesus, was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We learn and read very early in the gospel that Jesus is the light of the world. The world is steeped in darkness, filled with people living in darkness, yet they don't know they're living in darkness. Don't even realize their spiritual blindness. They stumble in the darkness, hurting themselves and others through their sin. There is hope in today's passage. God wants to bring life and light into darkness that we stumble around in too often. And in this passage, we see it. In the first verse of this chapter, it says, As he passed by, he saw a blind man from birth. And again, we've already talked about what it was like to be blind, that he has been blind from birth. But as Jesus walks by, he notices this man. How many people on his journey does Jesus walk past? We have no idea. How many people do his disciples walk past? And as they walk by, Jesus notices them. 
this man on the side, next off to, pushed aside, begging. It was not only an opportunity for a lesson for his disciples and for us, it was an opportunity for God to bring glory to himself. The disciples, on the other hand, were not thinking about miracles. They were seeking blame for man's condition. So the second and third verses, it says this, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed. The disciples, like most people in that day, believed that the man's condition was caused by sin. Maybe his own, maybe some theology even went to sin in the womb or sin of his parents, that he was getting his punishment for sinfulness. That was what the prevailing thought was. And so they were asking a question. I don't think it was a lack of compassion. I think it was just curiosity. Where did it come from? They were looking to lay blame for why the man was blind at all. But let me ask you, has that ever happened in your own life? Something happens where you begin to go, God, what did I do? God, what did I do to deserve this? Why is this happening to me? Too quickly, we turn away from what God can do and is doing, and we turn to ourselves to figure out how we can figure out what we've done. The mind's blindness had been allowed by God so Jesus could work this miracle, that the Father would be glorified. And how did Jesus respond to the man's blindness? The way that Jesus does, he reached into his world. So in John 9, 5 and 7, it says this, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back saying. So Jesus, the light of the world, would now work a miracle healing the blind. In those days, the saliva, it seems really, really strange to us that he would make mud or clay and rub it in the eyes of a blind man. But the saliva of an important person was thought to possibly have healing powers. And so people around him weren't as weirded out as we may have been. The miracle was not in the saliva or the mud, but the spirit who is at work within Jesus. The miracle didn't happen immediately. Jesus gave him something to do. So he rubs it and he says, go. And it's, I think it's ironic. I think it's interesting. So the sent one, Jesus, who came from his father, who was sent by his father into the world to forgive the sins of the world, sends a blind man out to go to a pool that also means sent. There was movement. There's movement in the gospel. There's movement in the, in, in the way God interacts and engages us. And so he tells him to go out. This comes from the, the Siloam. It comes from a Hebrew word that means shalah, which actually means sent. The man did as he was told. He was obedient. And he went to the pool and washed the mud from his eyes. And for the first time in his life, he could see. I want you to think about a couple of things in that. He goes and he's obedient. Even as he is going out, he's given a task. He's asked to be obedient. And that's what he does. He does exactly as he's told. But then he moves on. And he's, his sight and his blindness, he's got sight. He's restored. What must that have been like for the first time to look around the world? 
to look at the faces of the people, maybe the one that healed him, what was it like to see colors? What was it like? But he experienced that because of Jesus' goodness. Jesus had taken a man who lived in his, his entire life in utter darkness and gave him blind man vision, both literally and figuratively. Jesus had become the light of the world for this man. But how often do we live like this blind man when we're faced with difficult circumstances? Do you believe that God is able to perform works in your life that bring clarity and hope? Or do we stumble around in our darkness trying to figure it out on our own? Think of the times in your life that God has entered and restored what was broken or given a solution or outcome that was far better than we could hope for or imagine. We need to have faith and trust in our Father in difficult situations, knowing that He wants to bring light into those places. Or do we live in doubt and despair, doubting what God can do or is able to do or even allowing Him to do it in our lives? Do we act like the neighbors? The neighbors and those in John 8 and 9, 8 and 9, it says, the neighbors and those who had seen Him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? And some said it is, and others said no, but he's like him. He kept saying, I am the man. Think about that. What a, a strange place. I mean, they have grown up. They know who he is. They've walked by him. They know the blind beggar. And yet they continually walk past going, this is not him. There's no way it can be him. <laughs> and he keeps saying, it's me. It's me. I was healed. Think of the testimony and story that's in that, and yet they wouldn't believe it. No one had ever seen or heard of a man being born blind and being able to see, so they doubted the miracle, and they tried to explain it away. They said the man who could now see was not the same man who had been blind. The man who gave his witness and testimony that indeed he was the blind beggar, but I'm staggered by this, that they've known him his whole life, and yet they don't recognize the miracle that Jesus has performed. How often do we miss what God's doing right in our midst? Right in our midst, we see these things happening, maybe in our own lives, as he brings light into these places in our own lives, and yet we miss it, and we try to explain it away. So the gospel reading today, it goes through the first 13 verses, and then it skips, and it comes kind of ends up in the last 13 verses. But I want to cover a few things that happen in between, because I think it's important. From verses 13 to 34, there's three kind of crazy interrogations that go on. The first one is the, the religious leaders. They called the man, and the interrogation quickly broke down. So this group of religious legalist leaders call him in. They begin to ask him questions, and they realize the miracle was performed on the Sabbath. So it wasn't so much the miracle was just performed, but also it's the Sabbath, which means that Jesus had to be a sinner because making clay on the Sabbath is a sin. In their minds. And so, even though Jesus has brought light and life to this one man, they're still beginning to look at his sinfulness or their, his perceived sinfulness. However, for some reason, the sinner could not do what Jesus did. So, if Jesus is a sinner, then how could he do what God can, only God can do? So, this is a little bit of a conundrum for them, for the legalists. If he sinned and by breaking the Sabbath, how could anyone other than God open that? It's this great, confusing twist of what's happening here. So then they move on. The second one, they go to his parents. And they go, come on, is this really him? And the blind man begins to say, the blind man's parents say, um, 
no, we don't know. He, we know he can see, but he was born blind. But we're not sure how this happened. They don't even defend their own son. They don't even begin to respond. They were more afraid of what would happen to them, that they would be sent out, that they would be put out of the synagogue. And at the time, the synagogue was their only spiritual center. It was their community, their government, their family center. And that the parents, rather than celebrating their son seeing for the first time, what do they do? They go, you know what? You go ask him. He's old enough to answer his own questions. We're, we can't answer that for him. So then finally, they go to the man who was blind and can now see. And this probably uneducated man, a beggar, a blind man since birth, he stifles them and stymies them with his response. That he does point to Jesus, that it was Jesus who did it, that only God can do it. As they begin to question him and, and dig down, he points to the one that gave him sight and restored his sight. And in total frustration, as this man has kind of stymied them, he sends them, they send him away. In complete frustration, the blind man was kicked out of their presence, made to leave. They didn't want to hear what he had to say. St. John Chrysostom commenting upon this passage says this, The Jews cast him out of the temple, and the Lord of the temple found him. Jesus came to the man, and his conversion was an even greater miracle in his life, for now he had spiritual light. The light of the world had gone out into the dark world with the result that a blind man saw, not only with his eyes, but with his heart, and those who had vision were blinded because they refused to believe. I want you to hear this because this is really, really important. The miracle of healing his blindness is remarkable. No one but God can do that. But what's even as miraculous as that, or more so, is that he is able to forgive our sins. He pays the price for what we are unable to pay for. He heals us in our spiritual blindness and allows us to see. And he's done this for this blind man, not just restoring his sight of his eyes, but restoring him to life eternal. Jesus responds um, to them first that we know that there are people who refuse to believe. And those who refuse to believe, who know the truth but do not turn to Christ, they're lost. But Jesus responds, For judgment I came into the world that those who do not see may, and those who see may become blind. Christ came into the world so that those who think they have spiritual insight will be shown to be blind, and those who have no spiritual insight will see. The, will see. the whole argument centers around need. Those who know that they are blind are the ones whom Jesus can give sight do you see the need that we have? We are not able to do it on our own. We can't heal our brokenness, but Jesus enters in. Some of the Pharisees heard Jesus say the response that he gave, and they said, are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt, but now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Those who go blind are the ones who do not realize their need, who turn away. 
Those who receive sight are the ones who sense the darkness. The Pharisees thought they had it all together, that they had arrived. Through their knowledge of the law, they knew that they were not perfect, but they did not understand how deeply infected they were with sin. So they adopted the appearance of having dealt with their sin. Their biggest problem was that they had never faced the darkness of their hearts. They couldn't see it. They wouldn't see it. They refused. So what they do, they made their outsides look good. They followed the letter of the law, so everything seemed perfect, and yet inside there's turmoil and darkness and brokenness. Aren't we prone to do that at times? Just make it all look good on the outside, but inside things are out of control. The darkness is, bl- is blinding in itself at times in our own lives. Do we turn to the one who's able to bring light? Do we turn to Jesus? The way of seeing is the way of the blind. Charles Spurgeon said this, It's not our littleness that hinders Christ, but our bigness. It's not our weakness that hinders Christ, it's our strength. It's not our darkness that hinders Christ. It is our supposed light that holds him back. The way of seeing is essentially a willingness to admit we are blind and naked and hungry. The blind beggar of John 9 is our example. He did not argue with Christ. He acknowledged his blind condition and need and submitted himself to the hand of Christ and was obedient. And then came the miracle so that we saw that he saw with his eyes and with his heart. Remember, great partakers and great beggars, those who are empty will be filled. The blind will see. The eyes of our heart will begin to see light because of Christ and what his work is and his restorative work in our lives. Maybe the change that Christ initially brought in your own life was dramatic. We, can all, we have a vision of that in our own lives, of what it was like when we first saw Jesus, what it was like for us. Our lives began to look different. Our hearts felt different. We felt different. We became very aware of changed habits and language, and people around us saw it. And then we started to feel really good about ourselves and the progress that we made. In fact, it's with this idea of progress that at times we become unhealthy. It becomes more about moving forward and the focus shifted from the work that God has done and maybe we became proud of our accomplishments. Our pride began to dull us and we just can't see Jesus like we once did. Darkness seemingly flourishes. But I want you to think about this as we close. What has Jesus done for you? How do you see the world differently? How do you see differently with your heart. Why are you here this morning? Most of us come every Sunday and some come during the week. We're here because we believe that Jesus is the light of the world. By the grace of God, Jesus comes into our lives and he changes us. He heals us. He heals our spiritual blindness. He gives us eyes of faith to see and believe in him even though we don't deserve it. That is what Jesus has done for us and more. I close with this, John 1, 4, and 5, as read from the beginning. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, 
and the darkness has not overcome it. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.